Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. Before we jump into the message today, I just want to say a couple of things, if that's okay. Um, if it's not, I have the mic, nothing can do about it. Um, it's great to see so many people coming back, numbers coming up in here. And, and um, if you're here, you might be wondering what's going on on the side. Okay, so while people are coming back, we also have people that can't because of distance or health concerns, and we don't want to leave you behind. And so what you're seeing at the front here before and after the service is a welcome to the online community. The amazing thing about this is you can be here and still participate in the online community. Uh, I know I've been to some churches where they ask you to put your cell phone away or turn it off. We're not a movie theater, we're a community. And so if your phone is is out, um, I'm assuming you're not playing Temple Run or something like that. Um, but we have, we have access to the online community, and, and so Jordan is going to be hosting that before the service and after the service. We used to do text messages, send me a text message, comment, question, and we would do it in the service. We're now doing it after the service, and I don't want to leave you in the room behind. And so we have a new dedicated text message or text number that you can text a question or comment, um, and, and we will be dealing with those after the service. Uh, we also have a, a new online platform. And so we, we're streaming all of our services out through YouTube, but if you go to our website, not Crossland's Live, which is our sort of internal management access point, but our, our outward focus one, crossands.ca has the link for that. It used to link straight to YouTube. Now it links to our new online platform where there's opportunity to chat live. And again, you could be here in the service and, and like in the room and you can access that and you can, you can chat with people that may be not in the room. So we really wanna foster and facilitate connection and community with people beyond these walls. Again, there are people that can't come in person because of health concerns. Some people simply live too far away. That's one of the brilliant things that's happened during COVID. We are reaching people that live too far away to drive here, but we wanna include them in the community. So. Uh, Feel free to, to get on the online platform during the service. You, there might be a little bit of a lag, which might be a little bit confusing, but you can participate in the chat. You can put on the, the um, questions or comments, and then the, the conversation will be happening after the fact. So that's why that's there. Uh, I also want to um, give a bit of a heads up. Next week, we're having a really, really special service. Um, this past summer, Pastor Mariah hit the five-year mark at Crossing Church. She's been for over, here for over five years. She's done a fantastic job. We're so thrilled to have her here. Um, and so, well, that's not really what next week is about, but we will mention it. Next week is also Claudette's birthday. But next week, Pastor Claudette and Pastor Mariah are going to be ordained here in the service. So what does that mean? Well, it's going to be explained next week. So we're going to have a, a bit of a party, a bit of a celebration there as we celebrate that. And then uh, the last thing before I uh, jump into the message, um, I just want to take a minute to pray, if that's okay, for all of our um, next generation people, all of our kids, all of our young adults um, that have just started school. So just join me with we, as, for a second as we pray for them. Father, I thank you for our children, which are a gift. Uh, The Bible says that um, you have given them to us as a gift that we are to give back to you. And the world wants to push our kids into all kinds of uh, misled focus and um, and idolatry, and those things will consume them. And Father, I'm asking that this coming year, whatever pressure our younger kids face with the insecurity of 
doing it on Zoom or in person and, and all of that stuff. Father, I pray that you would be their strength. Father, for our kids that are, are leaving home um, either day by day or are moving away to go to university or college, and, and they may feel isolated, they may feel disconnected from you and from our community here, Father, I pray that you would be their strength. I pray that we would continue to remember our kids, to pray for them, and that as they continue to grow, as they continue to uh, step into their identity, that they would step into the identity that you have for them. Father, I ask for your protection of their hearts and of their minds. And Father, I pray that they would thrive and grow even when the environment is challenging because you would be their strength. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever see uh, an ordinary object, maybe something you've seen many, many times, and one day the light turns on, you go, why is that even there? Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me give you one example. Uh, my wife has an eye for aesthetics which means that every once in a while things get repainted for, I don't want to say no reason, for aesthetic reasons, okay? So we had to change our roof. We had to get our roof done. And our roof was brown. That's the wrong color. The right color for a roof is black. How do I know this? Because if you ask a kid to draw a house, they make the roof black. Sky is blue, sun is yellow, trees are green, the roof is black. So we made our roof black. But the problem is that there's external decorations that didn't match. So Michelle wanted to match the color to the roof, which I support. I support Michelle in her endeavors. I really do. I don't paint, but I support her. So she does the painting, and I support. Except that there was, we have shutters on the outside of the house, and they're on the second story. So I had to go get the shutters. So I didn't need a ladder, because we have one of those like sort of halfway down roofs. I could just stand on the roof, which is fine if it's not icy. I found that out once trying to put up Christmas lights. It's, uh, it's not great in the rain. Uh, more or less, it's OK to just climb up the little wall thing and step up there. Um, I thought it was okay until I found out that wasps were making their nests in the shutters. So I'm coming back down, right, and I'm spraying with everything that's as deadly as I can to kill the wasps, and then I pulled the shutters off. Now, I, I should clarify, these aren't shutters. They look like shutters, but they're not shutters. See, shutters have been around for centuries. Shutters do a few things. They, they close in front of the windows. In fact, as human beings, we've had shutters before we had glass. And so shutters are used for security. They're used to protect from the elements. They're used to provide shade. These shutters don't do that. This is something that looks like a shutter that's screwed into the wall. And so I pulled them down, Michelle painted them, and I put them back up. They're just decorations. And I started looking around, I started noting, noticing our houses have shutters everywhere. Now, less so, I've been, because I've been paying attention, okay? I pay attention to these things, the important things in life. And, uh, and, and some of the newer houses, just the past five, six years, they don't have shutters. But the ones before that, they do have shutters. And sometimes you see an older house without shutters, and you go, it looks wrong. It looks like there's something missing. For a shutter to work, it has to be exactly half the width of the window. These shutters aren't even, they're not even the right size. They're just decorations. Why do we have them there? In fact, why does it look wrong if it's not there? Why does it feel wrong? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I read a book once, once. Uh, it was a really fat book, a really difficult book by a, a Canadian philosopher named Charles Taylor. It's called A Secular Age. R one of the difficult, most difficult books I've ever read. And, and it's one of those, I'm gonna, here's a rabbit trail. I had somebody attend here once. They attended for quite a while, and they introduced themselves. They said, hi, my name is whatever. I don't remember, I don't remember what it was. They said, I'm, I'm doing graduate studies in philosophy at York University. I said, oh, congratulations. I hear there's a big, big draw for jobs in philosophy. I actually said that to him. I felt a little bad, but he didn't seem offended. 
Charles Taylor is a philosopher that works in, in Quebec somewhere. He's won at least two prizes for philosophy. One is worth $800,000, the other's worth a million dollars. So he's doing okay. And a lot of it has to do with this book that he wrote. And in the book, he writes about how our culture has changed and God has been moved to the fringe. God's no longer a topic of, of, of conversation. He's not central. There was a, a song that came out in 1996, and I don't remember what it was called, but the chorus went, tell me all your thoughts on God. And I kind of realized that conversation is not about God. Your thoughts on God tell me something about you. That's why they're asking about the thoughts on God. Because a lot of people may have ideas about God, but it's considered kind of off to the side. It's not really core. Our religion has been reduced to private uh, preferences. And, and the church, for many people, is, is an empty embellishment. Pretty buildings, things we do. A lot of people don't know why it's there. Incidental society, and, and, and sometimes incidental to our lives, is sort of an add-on. And it contradicts the message, this message that has been coming out in this series in Hebrews, that God wants to have relationship with humans. He wants to live with humans. Not only does God want to live with us, and he initiates that, but he also calls us into relationship with him. But there's a third part of that. And the third part is that we are called to carry or to bear his presence in the world. That's why we're here. It's not why we exist. We exist to have a relationship with God. We exist on earth to carry his presence into the world. Here's a, a quote from a book uh, by a man named David E. Fitch. The book is called Faithful Presence. And he says this, God is present over the whole world, yet he becomes visibly present through a people who make his presence known. But to bring God's presence to the world, we have to be in God's presence. To bring his presence, we have to be in his presence. So we've been going through this book of Hebrews. Uh, we did a, 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 the first third chunk. We're at the very end of the second third chunk. We'll take a break and then come back and finish it off a little bit later. And we've been talking about this, this early Christian community that is struggling under the beginnings of persecution, struggling to maintain their role, and also struggling to understand the reward of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a, in a culture that has a pressure against the idea of its existence. And that's where uh, Mariah started the service off today with Hebrews 4, uh, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now you may be thinking, if you're tracking real closely, we did Hebrews 4 a long time ago. Why are you bringing this back up? It's, this is from the past. Because he says this and then he explains it in the next chunk of the book, which is where we've been. Come boldly into his presence. Approach his throne. Last week we recognize that the throne of God is the Ark of the Covenant. It's not some massive chair from which God passes judgments and smites people. It's the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God on what has become known as the seat of mercy. When it talks about in 4 verse 6, approach the throne of grace, later on it becomes clear the throne of his grace is the Ark of the Covenant in that most holy place where God lives. Now, for many people, Jesus is a, a fine moral example. He's, a, he's an ideal individual which we might strive to emulate. Other people say he's a really good teacher, like on par with Buddha or Gandhi. But the, the point is that Jesus can bring us into the presence of God. 
Some people look at church, and I've actually heard this said by Christians, our practice of doing church provides a meaningful structure to our life. It's a pacing. It's, 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 a, it's a break from the, from the rush of, of, of the week and, and, and the meaningless striving for work and money and, and vacations and all that other stuff. So we punctuate our lives with meaningful rest periods. And I go, really? That's it. God became human, came to earth, went to the cross, died, and rose again so we can have a healthy pace of life. No. Jesus came because God wants to live with humans. He wants us to experience him in his presence and be his presence bearers in the world. In his presence, we're transformed. In his presence, we're changed. And then we go out into the world and we carry that with us. And Jesus makes that possible. Have you ever known somebody to uh, ask for something and you're not sure they really wanted it and then they got it and then it became clear that they didn't really want it? Our kids were really, really young. And uh, we were at Upper Canada Mall and they had this temporary setup of a haunted house. And they, they I don't know, they were like five or six or something like that. And they were, they wanted to do the haunted house. Oh, mommy, can we do the haunted house? The haunted house? And we said, you don't want to do the haunted house. You're going to be scared. No, no, we really, really want to do it. We really want to do it. They pestered us. And finally, we paid the $2 a piece, and they went in the haunted house, and they had, they had cameras inside, so you could watch people walking through it. And they're, like, holding one another walking through like this, right? And they're walking through, and they're walking through, and, and they get to the end, and they can see the door, and all of a sudden, something jumps out, and it totally startles them, and we're just laughing, like, we're enjoying this. And they come out, and their faces are white. And Michelle says to them, how was it? <laughs> did you let us do that? <laughs> so, I mean, we felt bad, but we're also kind of laughing at him like you, la- you asked for it. So it was a few years later, we thought, you know what? You're older now, you can handle this. So there was a, a haunted house up the road over where that tennis bubble used to be in the house. And so we, you know, we're gonna do this. And they're kind of going, I'm not sure we want to do it. Last experience is kind of traumatic. So we pay the money, we go in, and the lights are all off and it's spooky. You can hear things moving. And we're just at the entrance and they lose it. We, we don't want to do this. We don't want to do this. And the lights come on and a coffin beside us opens up and a guy sits up a zombie and says, we can do it with the lights on if you want. <laughs> we didn't do the haunted house. We did something else. There's a, there was a philosopher, okay? Most people, don't, this is the second time I'm mentioning a philosopher today. There's a very popular philosopher in the late 20th century, Jean-Paul Sartre. Very, very popular. And, and he talked about how relationships with other people are threatening. Because what happens is somebody infringes on your personality, on your identity, and you become who you are in sort of defiance or resistance to the other person. And you may think, I don't know if that's true. Um, he gives the illustration. If, you, if you're sitting on a park bench and somebody sits right beside you, you kind of move over a little bit. Like, and I mean, as much as that might have been true three years ago, how much more now during COVID, right? Back off. You're a threat to me. And so his conclusion that this is how human relationships operate, he says, if there is a God, if there is an omnipotent, all-powerful, eternal, all-knowing being, that would be the ultimate person, capital P. Hey, I agree with that. That is the ultimate person, capital P. But he says that person would be such a threat to your human existence that we would just disintegrate. We, we could not stand in his presence. 
Therefore, since I exist, God doesn't exist. That was kind of his conclusion. Now, I think he's really right. He's right, he's right, he's right, he's right, until the end, because he misunderstands that God wants to have a relationship with humans. He's not against you, he's for you. He's not out for your destruction, he's out for your best. And how do we know that? Because Jesus came. We know who God is because we look at Jesus. So in the terror of encounter with God, and here's where he's right, you look at Isaiah. Isaiah experiences God's presence, and the, the text in Isaiah says, Isaiah yells out, like, I am undone. And, and the, the sort of the meaning of that is, I have been reduced to my smallest parts. I am disintegrated in your presence. That's sort of the meaning of that. I'm undone. But in the terror of encounter with God, which threatens our very being and identity, we're surprised to find acceptance and love in our true identity. Why? How? Because Jesus came. He is that high priest. We've talked about that over the past three or four weeks. He's the high priest that makes it possible through his sacrifice to come into God's presence, to be known by God, to understand who we are, to have meaning, to have purpose, to have a vocation in the world. We're transformed in his presence, and we have the vocation to carry his presence in the world. This is not for pastors. I mean, it is. It's for everybody. If you work in a factory, if you're in school, if you stay at home, take care of the kids, you go grocery shopping, everywhere you go, if you've been in God's presence, you carry his presence with you. So God's presence is located in this, this holy place, this holy of holies, in, in the tent, the tabernacle. We've talked about that last week. And, and remember, the, the, the original tent was geographically situated, but it was in anticipation of the real one, which is spiritual, which is accessible anywhere. Okay, So that spiritual reality, that holy place, we can meet with God. It's, it's, it's about orienting your spirit wherever you are to God's presence, to give him attention, to follow the leading of Jesus. You know, in the West here, we don't do this kind of thing. In Eastern Christianity, they have something called an icon. It's not like a computer think symbol. The computer symbol is named after the Eastern icons. And so what they would have is they would have a, a specially crafted painting or, or relief sculpture that they would use to facilitate worship. And in the West we go, we don't like that. That's idolatry. Except that we do the same. We do it with music. We do it with worship music. Worship music focuses our attention on Jesus. We do it with a message, focuses our attention on Jesus. We do it in a, in a prayer meeting, in relationship, focuses our attention on Jesus. It's the same thing. The thing is that all those things can take us to the door. Jenny can lead us in worship. You, that was a fab, I got chills this morning. Okay, but did you go in the door? She can only get you as far as the door. We have the option to enter and experience God. And there's a really odd passage in, in Hebrews, and I was wondering why is this there? So this is sort of catching up to where we've been. Hebrews 9, 4, and the author, this person giving the sermon, starts describing the, the tabernacle. Remember, the earthly one is the anticipation of the real one. He says, in that room, the holy place, were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which we learned that's where God's throne is, which was covered with gold on all sides. Gold incense, just as a sort of a throwaway thought here, the gold incense is, is parallel with prayer. The incense is like prayer. You see that in Revelation, that the prayers of the saints rise to God like incense. And then inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. He gives all these details. And then I love this because he says, we can't really discuss this any further. 
which kind of, I think, lends a little bit of credibility to my idea, my idea that this is a sermon being presented in a synagogue. And, you know, I'd like to talk to you about the Ark of the Covenant and all these things, but uh, we're running out of time, so I've got to move on with my sermon. But why does he mention these things? What are these things? If you go back to the Old Testament, you see the, the backstory. There were three things that Moses was told to put in this box upon which was situated God's presence, where he would choose to come and reveal himself. And the three things were the manna, the rod that budded, and the law, a copy of the Ten Commandments, the tablets. When we get into God's presence, we're transformed. Wherever we go, we bring his presence with us. But that's a huge challenge. We need God's transformation, and we need what he has for us, and that's what this symbolizes. So the law, the, the copy of the tablets, is the copy of the covenant that God had with his people. When we come into God's presence, God reaffirms to us his covenant with us through Jesus, which also contains all of the expectations, all the guidelines, all the direction. Do you need direction from God? His direction is found in the holy, holy place. Where do you find direction? The newspaper? YouTube? Your education? Make a pros and cons list? Talk to people for good advice? None of those things are bad. But God's direction for us is found in the holy place where we meet with him. The rod that budded, what was that all about? So Moses was always struggling with his people to lead them because they were just stubborn and rebellious, not that that happens today. And there were people that challenged his authority, challenged his leadership, and his brother was his sort of right-hand man, and, and he had a staff that represented his leadership. And so they, uh, God said, in order to affirm him, uh, we're going to put all the... All the stick, every person had his own stick, you know, like Gandalf, you know, he's got that stick. You, you know what's on the stick is his pipe. You ever notice that? If you look real closely, his pipe is on the staff. He doesn't keep it in his pocket. Probably airs it out or something like that. This is not Gandalf's staff, that's a digression. So Aaron has a staff, they all have their staff, they all put him in a closed place, and, then, and, and God says, whichever one buds, that is the one that I have approved as leader. That's my authorization. And the next morning, they pick up the staff, and, and this dead stick has budded and produced flowers and produced fruit. It's Aaron's stick, and that's what was in there. The authorization, God's revelation of who he has authorized. In God's holy presence, you receive your authorization, your confirmation. You're his child, and you have the vocation that he has given you. Where do you get your authorization? Your degrees? Your accomplishments at work? people that like you? How do you confirm who you are? In God's presence, his authorization, authorization is right there and his authorization matters more than anything else because one day, all those things can turn against you, but God does not turn against you. The manna, what's the manna? That's a word we don't really use in our popular culture. So while, uh, while God's people were, were moving from um, Egypt to the promised land, and they had no food. God was providing food on a daily basis. It was called manna. The original word for manna comes from the phrase, what is this? Because they didn't know what it was, so they called it, what is it? Hey, um, I'm hungry. I'm going to go grab some what is it, because I'm a little bit hungry today. And so there was a sample of that manna put in the ark. The manna is God's provision. It's what sustains you. What keeps you going. When nothing else will sustain you. When you're, when you're running out of energy, when your energy is flagging, and, and I don't know if I can make it, what sustains you? Because in the Holy of Holies is God's manna that is your sustenance. Jesus himself is described as the bread that comes from heaven. 
when you, when you partake of that, there's eternal life in that. And eternal life doesn't just mean, in that context, living forever. It means the fullest life you can possibly have. So what sustains you in daily life? Your anticipation of your next vacation? Your paycheck? What sustains you? Because all those things can fall apart. I was having, uh, you know, being in COVID for a long time, getting kind of tired and taking some, planning to take some time off in a few weeks. And, and people have been telling me, you really need some time off. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. But I also know that there are pastors around the world that do not get a vacation ever. Sometimes they don't even get a weekend. So I'm not complaining about taking vacation. I'd like to take a vacation. But my sustenance comes from God. In the Holy of Holies, we find his, his providence, his sustenance, his, the food that we need, the real food that keeps our spirits going. We find his authorization, his endorsement, that rod that budded, and we find his direction in the law. That's what you find in the Holy Place. So what do you do this? Here, here's a question. I, I, here's a thought. How do you invite somebody to church? Here's how I have invited somebody to church, and I think this is how many people have invited somebody to church. You know, you... We have a very welcoming community here, and we do. We have good music, I think. We, I think we do, and people have invited, you know, come to my church, we have really good music. I don't know if you're used to bad music, we have good music. Uh, we, have, we have the best sermons. <laughs> you want relevant teaching that will impact your life. This is how we invite people to church, and it's, those aren't bad things, and sometimes I think we, we go to those things because there are access points we're not really sure how to say let me invite you to church where you can meet Jesus who's going to transform your life. Let me invite you to church where you can meet Jesus who gives you meaning and purpose in a way that, world, that the world doesn't. Because that's why. Sure, we want meaningful relationships and community. Absolutely, we want the best worship music we can possibly do and, and engage with God in that. We want relevant messages. If we're not doing, doing those things, there's something wrong. But if we're doing those things and God's presence isn't here, his life-transforming presence then what we're doing is shutters on a window that are fake, that don't do anything. It's a decoration. That's true for our entire lives. To the extent that we experience that, and I, by no means does this only happen on Sunday mornings. It better not happen on Sunday mornings. Your life is too important and too difficult to be sustained by an hour on a Sunday morning. God is calling us into relationship all the time. When, we, when we've experienced that, when we go past the entrance point, past the chills of the worship music, past the inspiration of a good message, into God's very presence, you're transformed and you can take it to others. You can be the difference maker in somebody else's life. When we've been in God's presence, we bring his presence to the world wherever we go. Now, maybe you're here in person or maybe you're watching online and... Uh, not only have you never experienced God's presence, but you've never even entered into the relationship because that's where it starts. Jesus came because God wants to live with you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. But at a certain point, we have to say yes to his invitation to relationship. And I'm going to give you that invitation to relationship this morning. It's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledgement of your need. Without God, it's not enough. I admit that I've been living insufficiently. I've been living for things that are like the shutters around the window. They don't mean anything. I need to know my true identity. I need to know my true vocation. 
And then B is believe. And it's not just a, a statement of opinion. It's a statement of trust and allegiance. I believe that Jesus is the means by which I can have a relationship with God. That's the story of Jesus' death and his resurrection. To cross the divide, to make accessible what would be impossible otherwise. And then C is commit. Commit your life fully to him. You can't keep walking the path of your own choosing, the path of your own affirmation, your own sustenance, without, and then walk God's path at the same time. It's saying no to those things and say, I'm going to find my sustenance in you. I'm going to find my identity, my authorization in you. I'm going to find my direction from you. And so if this is a decision and you're feeling that in your heart, you need to respond today. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to uh, ask you to make these words yours. Um, I tend to talk fast, so if you can repeat them out loud even, then, then try to do so and I'll, I'll try to slow down. Pray something like this. Father in heaven, I am admitting my need for you. I'm choosing to believe, to trust in Jesus today. And I'm choosing to commit my life to you. Everything that Fred said about authorization and direction and sustenance, I need that and I'm looking to you for it today. I want to cross the line and be a follower of Jesus. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Amen. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, please connect with us at Crosslands. Uh, we are a community of followers of Jesus. We strive to follow him with everything that we have. We do it imperfectly, but we need one another. So go into crosslands.live and click the Follow Jesus button. There you can enter your contact info, and we will get back to you with, with next steps. How do I begin to live this out? So make sure you do that today. Um, before we close today, you know, because we're a community of followers of Jesus, it isn't just about me, it's about all of us. And God speaks to us with messages and sometimes images. And there's messages he gives to us not just for us, but for the rest of the community here. And so I'm going to um, invite Edna to come up because Edna has a message for us today. I don't know where the other mic is, so um, just use this one and then disinfect afterwards. Um, I just wanted to speak to someone here or online. I have this overwhelming sense of sadness and loneliness that is overwhelming. And I was asking Pastor Jordan to, on the chat to help me pray for clarity. And when, uh, when Fred was giving us the little um, history of his kids, being very afraid because they went in that dark, haunted house. I felt that someone is feeling like that, that someone has this overwhelming feeling of sadness and loneliness and that they're being hunted, whether it's by the world or their circumstances at work. Something is happening in your life and you're feeling that you're alone. And I just want to tell you that you have a God that loves you. And he's directly speaking to you today. And he put it in my heart to let you know that he's walking with you and that he's inviting you to accept that walk. That he's been watching you for a long, long time. And that today is the day that you should say yes. If that speaks to you, I just ask you deeply to please connect 
with the pastors. Thank you. Thanks, Edna. Boldly approach the throne of grace. God is for you. He's not against you. And through Jesus, we have access to his very presence. When we're in God's presence, we're transformed. And his presence goes with us wherever we go in the world. That's our identity. That's our vocation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that in you we find who we really are. In you we find who we are really to be and how we are really to live. And so, Father, I ask for each person here today, each person that's walking on, or watching online, that we would not stop at the door. This coming week, as we have those opportunities, whether it's through putting on worship music or a walk in the woods or praying with a friend, that we would enter in and truly turn our spirits towards you. We would truly give you our full attention and allow your presence to transform us. Thank you. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.